don't want anybody to feel that we're trying to put you on the spot when we have people to stand. Uh, just that I wanted to move right along. While you're turning to 1 Corinthians 14, let me just explain something. We're going to have the auction. We're going to have a great time. I want everybody to forget about being in the sanctuary. Actually, we're going into the fellowship hall for the auction. <clears throat> we would actually go in the basement in the fellowship hall if we had a basement. But we don't have a basement. <clears throat> uh, we, all we have here is a multi-purpose room right now. This is our sanctuary, and we will respect the house of the Lord, and we will treat it as a sanctuary. But once we dismiss for our fellowship time, we're just going to have fellowship. And I want everybody here to just have fun. Just let your hair down and have fun. Now, good Christian fun. Uh, we're just going to we're just going to have a blast, brother. Uh, <clears throat> brother Dave Shroud is our auctioneer. And I'll tell you, there's so much food was brought in here. Uh, I'm not good at making decisions. I walked through that, and I, I, I looked at all that, and my Sister Wittenbach was telling me what she had made, and I saw a cheesecake out there that Lenny Sandin had made that I'm telling you would make an angel wish you were a human being. <coughs> and and Charlie, Charlie and Sister Grant made two... German chocolate cakes. If you've never eaten any of Charlie's German chocolate cake, especially if there's something critically wrong with you before you pass from this life, you need to, you need, you, you got a taste of it, really. <clears throat> you, you just have to. And then someone told me that our Minty Coleman uh, fried some chicken and brought fried chicken. <clears throat> Can you believe that? Man, I'll tell you, there's going to be fried chicken in heaven. <clears throat> I've already been praying that, that uh, Armenti, whatever you do, Armenti, don't backslide. You've got you to cook fried chicken in heaven for us. <laughs> Marriage supper of the lamb. <clears throat> you know. Oh, my. I have this motto, you know, every good chicken needs a preacher. Oh, <laughs> I'll tell you. I've been in camp all week down in Iowa, in Sister Valerie Vaughn's city, Des Moines. We had a great time with Brother Jack Cunningham. Brother Jack Cunningham is a fantastic preacher. I was not able to take Sister Grant with me. I hate to travel without Sister Grant. I've called her three or four times a day. I know my telephone bill is going to be seven or eight hundred dollars. I uh, probably will not be happy when I start paying it, but I didn't regret it while I was talking. And I had a lot of time to think. When I get in these moods of just, you know, feeling sorry for myself, I guess. No, really just being alone and having time to reflect and think. God began to deal with me this week about the message tonight, and while I do not intend to uh, preach a long time, neither do I intend to cut the uh, preaching short because of, of our auction. I do know this, that uh, what I have to say can be said, I think, in a minimum amount of time. But I do feel that I should speak from 1 Corinthians 14. Paul is talking about spiritual gifts, and while 
I will not be using spiritual gifts as uh, as a topic tonight. I would like to say that he does make a statement concerning spiritual gifts that I feel that I'd like to to talk about. From the 8th verse of 1 Corinthians 14, this is when Paul places regulations on tongues, interpretation, and prophecy, which are the verbal gifts that God speaks to the body of Christ through. This is what he said in verse 8, For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? So likewise ye accept ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood. How shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian, and him that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. And you may be seated. And I want to take, as a, as a title, and I want to take it from verse 10, there are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and I want to speak from the title, So Many Voices. And you heard our young people as they stood, and they began to, uh, they began to speak to us, uh, it, it was made mention that uh, I was just confused. I I just I had questions about things. And, and isn't it true that we're just seeing so many different signals coming forth from so many different areas of our world that there never has been a day in which a person can become confused in the minimal amount of time that he can in this day, in this hour, that we live in. It's just there's the, the pressure, the voices. This, they're, they're just from, from all different directions. Now, Paul's talking about spiritual gifts, and what he's saying is that when spiritual gifts are in operation in the church, that they, they should be done orderly. Uh, there is a method in which they are to be conducted so that all confusion is removed and the individual being spoken to through spiritual gifts, will understand exactly what that voice is trying to say to him. He talks about the trumpet. Obviously, he's talking about the bugle, a uh, particular in- trumpet-type instrument that, that gives different sounds to alert uh, individuals for uh, uh, different responsibilities, revelry such as that. That means it's a wake-up call. Uh, there's all kinds of different uh, uh, tones, tunes, and sounds that come forth to, to send people into battle for retreat, for get up, and, and such. And what he's saying is that uh, this, this is also true in the house of God. But it's not only true in spiritual gifts. This is also true in our, in our walk with God. I think it's necessary for parents especially parents, to give a very clear signal to their children. Uh, this is not baby dedication night. I like to dedicate children. I like to give instruction because I see the need of it. 
This is true in our Christian school with our, our staff. There has to be a clear signal. Some guidelines have to be drawn. Now, what I'm seeing is that, that uh, we're living so close to the end of time. I'll, I'll tell you, so close to the end of time. And I, I, I just I listened intently to the radio on the way down to Iowa. I listened intently coming back. Uh, so many talk shows about the, the Mideast peace settlement. And, uh, of course, I, I heard uh, uh, those speeches made by those world leaders. It just, you know, there's just something just gets a hold of you and says, Hey, huh, Jesus is coming. I mean, he's coming soon. This is what's prophesied in the Bible. I mean, you're talking about, you take your newspaper and open it up, take your Bible and open it up and say, Here's where we are. And yet in the midst of all this, there's so much confusion. And then I begin to think about my responsibility as a pastor, my responsibility to you. And, and truthfully, a couple of times this, this past week, uh, it, it just overwhelmed me. There's one thing I don't want the devil to do. I don't want the devil to slip up on my blind side, so to speak, and start talking to me and me start listening to him to the point that I just start believing him. Several people made mention of this tonight. I'm going to be talking about this. Isaiah 66, verse 5 and 6. There is a, a scripture that I, I recently used in a message. Isaiah 66, 5. Hear the word of the Lord, you that tremble his word. Your brethren that hated you and cast you out for my name's sake said, Let the Lord be glorified, but he shall appear to your joy, and they shall be ashamed. And, and basically, I think this is talking about doctrine, that uh, there obviously was a time in, in this prophecy that, that some of the brethren said, oh, don't worry about anything, uh, you know, just uh, uh, this business about the, the name of the Lord. And, you know, we are, we are called, rightly so, the people of the name, because we believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that the name of Jesus Christ is above every name in heaven and in earth. We believe that. But, but, but you'd be surprised at the, the religious people that, that, that say, don't make a big deal out of that. When a lady came in our church, we took baptized this lady. She received the Holy Ghost. Sister Grant and Sister Jen, this has been several years ago, visited her in the hospital while they were in the hospital. There was a, a, she came from a Pentecostal church, by the way, and, and there was a member of this church, a lady member of this church that came and saw Sister Grant and Sister uh, Reger in the room. She went and got a, one of the nurses and brought the nurse down and requested the nurse, how these ladies dismissed. We don't want them in this room. Well, I mean, what's the big deal? They believe in the name of Jesus. Now, the amazing thing is that this woman was from a Pentecostal church. And uh, so the question was, was eventually asked, don't you believe in the name of Jesus? Now, this is what the lady said. The lady said, I get so tired of hearing that business about Jesus' name. <clears throat> well, I don't get tired of hearing it. I, I can't believe that any Christian would say that. I mean, you have to be so broad-minded your brains are falling out if you, 
uh, to make a statement like that. You mean to tell me you're sick and tired of hearing about Jesus' name? Of course, <clears throat> what was finally done about it was that uh, the patient was asked, do you want the ladies to leave? The patient's request was for them to stay. So the nurse said, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> the patient says that they should stay. So if the patient wants them to stay, uh, they get to stay. If you don't want to be in the room with them, there's a the door. It works that way, you know. But, but that's what the Bible is talking about. And there is a big division. Jesus said in his word that there will be a day in which men shall hate you for my name's sake. He said for my name's sake. And people are saying, oh, we don't want to make a big deal out of doctrine. Let's just, let's just all be one big happy family and let's just worship the Lord. Oh, let me tell you something. That's... That, that's what's going to happen in the last days. You know, there's a false church that I find in the, in the book of Revelation during the tribulation period. I'm glad the true church is going to be in heaven. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Don't know if we'll be eating Armentis chicken or not, but we'll be there and we'll be eating something that's great and wonderful, I'll tell you. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Oh, Hallelujah. People can say whatever they want to say. But let me tell you something. The most powerful name ever known among men is the name of Jesus Christ. For there is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Everybody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise His name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. Hallelujah. 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 My Jesus. My Jesus. My Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Verse number 6. A voice of noise from the city. A voice from the temple. A voice of the Lord that rendereth recompense to His enemies. You notice it talks about three voices. And the thing about it is, when you, when you really look at what happens in our world today, this is predominantly what takes place, a voice of noise from the city. This is basically talking about there is a voice that comes from the world. You know that the world is bidding for the souls of our people. And, and I've got to tell you, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I was just overwhelmed this week when I, I just, in prayer, I mean, I sought the Lord. I, I really sought God and and, and, you know, if you just look at this from the devil's perspective, what would you do if you wanted to totally dilute, water down faith on the earth? What would you do? You know, you just, you think about it. What would you do? I've got some things I want to say. First, you've got to understand that the, the devil is not omnipresent. You know, in fact, I can't even find in the Scripture where the devil can be in two places at one time, let alone all places. Now you think about that. Now, he has many, many angels, many demons, and, and you may call those devils. 
but he's not omnipresent. Can't be in two places at one time. Just simply can't be. And when you think about it, that's just such a, that's such a great, great comfort to know because God is omnipresent. He can be with us all the, all the time, everywhere. But now if you were the devil and you couldn't be in, you could only be in one place at one time and you had enough workers to help you sufficiently do your job, but you knew that you were totally outnumbered because for every bad angel, there are two good angels, and you're, you're working against a God that's omnipresent, what would you do to try to destroy the human race? Now, you've got to understand that's what he's going to try to do. And you have to understand that he is very effective. And the reason why is because there's going to be a lot more people lost than saved. Now, Jesus is the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Isn't that true? I heard Brother, Brother Cunningham tell this, this one story, and I want to relate this to you. I think this is, this is so important. He told this at our district conference when he was here in the spring. He told about, uh, uh, I think, a Presbyterian minister by the name of Martin that, that came to his church. And, and I don't even recall why the man came, but the man pastored a 1,200-member Presbyterian church. And he came, and God got a hold of his heart. And he came back again, and he talked with Brother Cunningham. Brother Cunningham went to his office and visited with him and baptized this man in water by immersion in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This man received the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is in pastors now in Hampton, Virginia. Was I talking to Brother Cunningham this past week? He said, yes, and you know the thing about it is this man now has been preaching the Holy Ghost. Out of 1,200 members, he has baptized 900 members in Jesus' name. Can you believe this? 900 members in Jesus' name. And he said, 600 members have already been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Now, you have to keep in mind, here's a man that really doesn't know much about Pentecost. Brother Cunningham left, and so he has not had the fellowship with this man like he had when he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But this is a story that he related. He said, you know, the Lord began to talk to me. And as I prayed, God began to talk to me about the doctrine of separation. And, you know, I think it would be wise for some of you to go back, take your Bible. I'm going to slow down just a minute and talk with you from my heart. You need to go back, take your Bible, and you need to look in the back of the Bible in the concordance under the word separate. And you need to look at all the scriptures in the Bible that deals with separation. And the reason why is because some of you are not living a, a, a separated life anymore. No, I, I'm just going, I have to be playing with you. Yeah, and, and some of you young people, now I know you went up to camp, and I know you danced all over the place, and Brother Grant's not, not here to criticize. I'm just saying this, that, that when God is directing you with His Spirit, you've got to be totally honest with God. Some of you know too much about 
ball players and rock stars and things like that, you don't know nearly enough about God in the Bible. You hear what I'm saying? And you see, because the devil cannot be in every place at one time like God can be, and there's not enough angels that he has to go around, then he has to carefully devise plans in order to destroy you. Now, Jesus is the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. At any rate, Dr. Martin said, he said, I just began to pray and fast. He said, I went on a 26-day fast. He said, I wanted God. And I knew there was something in my organization, there was something in my life that was missing. And he said, would you believe that God took me to the Bible and told me the problem with your church is the fact that your church is nothing but the voice of the world. He said, why? Because we do all the things that the people of the world do. And God told me, he said, I want you to take Exodus 12 or 20. I want you to write down the Ten Commandments. And in the course of your day, I want you to look at these and I want you to compare this also to the lifestyle of your family and, and your people and find out how many of these commandments you're breaking. He said, when I went off my 26-day fast, I had just ended the fast. I had eaten a little bit. He said, I went into our family room. I sat down. My sons were watching the television. And he said, you know what I did? This came to my mind. He said, I took out the Ten Commandments right while we were watching a program. And he said, would you believe in less than 30 minutes' time, all ten of the Ten Commandments were not only broken on that television, they were promoted to be broken. Do you hear what I'm saying? Now, you need to listen to me, all right? And he said, God so dealt with me about it that my family went to God in prayer. We turned the TV off. He said, the next time I went before my people, I talked to my people about television. I had 200 families to get up and come to the front and commit to destroy their TVs that week. 200 families. Come on. You might as well clap. You're not going to have a TV in heaven anyway. You're not going to be watching that stuff up there anyway. Now, I'm going to tell you, I don't believe that everything that's shown on TV is wrong. But I also understand this, that if I were the devil, you see, he's not the true light, and he cannot be omnipresent. He can only be in one place at one time, as far as I can see. See, television, what does television actually mean? Tele? It actually means to transmit. Telephone? Vision, it means to transmit by light. Now, God can transmit by himself because he is the true light to every person. The devil has come up with a counterfeit in which he can almost transmit because he's not omnipresent. He can almost transmit to every resident on the planet Earth his message in a moment's time. Now, you think about what I'm saying. Now, you think about what I'm saying. 
I was amazed that when Sister Grant and I made our way an hour and a half trip up into uh, the mountain areas of Grenada, and you talk about a remote area. Oh, my, it was remote. And right on the side of the mountain, there was a big disco bar and lounge and everything. I said, up here? And, and, and <laughs> Brother Francis, who happened to be the pastor there in, in the, 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 the main city, I forget the main city of, uh, of Grenada. I want to say Kingston, but maybe Georgetown. I'm not for sure. But at any rate, he said, you can't believe. He said, you know what's turned this around? He said, television coming out of Miami. We went up to Munich Village where people don't have running water, no toilet facilities. I mean, you'd be surprised. I mean, <laughs> I mean, these people live in little shacks, and would you believe that they have cable TV in these little old homes? And the young people are out juking and jiving and acting like some kind of apes. I'm serious with you. And now they're asking, well, is there really a God? Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, somebody this past week made this statement. They said, well, Brother Grant has cable. I don't have cable. I don't have TV. Now, I don't know who started that, but I just want to set the record clear. Okay? I don't even think there's cable out where I live. But I certainly haven't even taken the time to find out there is. I don't have TV and I don't have cable, all right? But what my whole point is this, that I believe that the devil has used television as a means in which he can transmit to the human race almost to the equivalent of which God is transmitting the human race. Now you think about what I'm saying now. You see, the voice of the world is finding its way into the homes of the human race. You hear what I'm saying? I say, you hear what I'm saying? Listen to me. I believe I've heard from God. I know I've heard from God. If you want to live a victorious life, you're going to have to leave Hollywood out of your home. You're going to have to leave all this divorce and bickering and fighting and violence and rape and sex and all this stuff out of your home. That's not what God wants you to feast your mind on. Whatsoever things be pure, whatsoever things be holy, whatsoever things be of good report, think on these things. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You know what you're going to do? You're, you're going you're gonna, to, through the devil's plan to transmit his message from the world into your home, you're going to damn your children to hell. That's exactly what you're going to do. And you're going to have to get a hold of the nap of your neck, spiritually speaking, and push yourself down and say, I want to come to the voice of the world. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. My, my, my. I read in the paper this business about Roseanne. Now, I don't know anything about Roseanne, and I've never seen Roseanne's uh, uh, program. But I, I was amazed at some of the language that was used in the paper, and some of it was bleeped out. 
and I heard that she was at the top of the ratings. That's just plain old filth and garbage. Who in the world will want some kind of a slut like that teaching their children values? Seriously. We say, oh, Brother Grant, you better watch out, you might offend. That's all right. I said what I said, and I don't take it back. Who would want some slut like that talking like that in your living room? Where your children can hear it. Listen to me. I think, I think there's too much of the voice of the world and there's not enough of the voice of God in your home. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Glory. 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 My Jesus. My Jesus. My Jesus. Oh, now I don't want to be nasty about it, mean about it. I'm just telling you, I have a deep, sincere burden. I know we have some visitors here, and I may be totally blowing you out of the saddle, but you listen to me, and you listen to me very carefully, even if you're a guest of ours. My friend, what you see on that television day after day after day is creating an appetite for things of the world that are doomed your soul to hell, and it diametrically opposes what is written in the sacred, holy Pure, unadulterated Word of God. And because the devil is not omnipresent. Let me tell you what we could do as a human race. If all of us would take and denounce TVs and pile them in the garbage and say we will not. Listen, we would wipe out 90% of the light that's coming. I call it light. It's actually darkness. They may be transmitting by light, but it's darkness that comes to your soul. And then we wonder, I wonder why I can't be victorious. I wonder why I can't feel God like I did in the old days. I, I wonder why, you know, the reason why is because people, young people, adults alike, they sit on pews and, and they've got all these questions and everything and they're so confused and, 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 and they're so mixed up and, and they have problems with authority. Brother Uselman stood behind the pulpit and, and, and made mention of this, that this one young child, he was diagnosed as having authority deficiency syndrome. Now, we're going to spend hundreds and thousands of dollars of taxpayers' money to figure out how to cure authority deficiency syndrome. I wasn't just born yesterday, and I've seen my share of TV programs. And I know this. There are certain things that even in the comics I don't like to read. And the reason why, because it's always, you know, there are, and, and people get into this habit of, of being sarcastic and, and sarcastic. There's some people that, that they don't know how to say anything unless it's sarcastic. We have some people in this congregation, the only way you know how to relate to people is through sarcasm. Either you grew up in a home when they did that or you were forced to do that to defend yourself or you learned it on TV or out of books or someplace. But you need to somehow reconstruct your thinking that there are good wholesome ways in which you can deal with people and you can be humorous. You don't have to be, you know, it's always like Dagwood Bumstead. Boy, that's a real name, isn't it? Sounds like a real loser. And he's got this wife that's always putting him down. Then you have the Lockhorns. I guess what is that? Is that one? Something like that. 
It's all, it's always the same way. It's always the same way. And, and I, I just I said, I'm not reading that. I said, oh, I like, I think that's real funny. You know, that's the whole problem. I do too. say, oh, Brother Grant, you're getting very narrow-minded. Oh, yes. But I know this one thing. Jesus said we're walking down a narrow road. It's a highway of holiness. All I'm saying is I want to challenge everyone. If you leave here tonight and you feel offended at what I said, get your Bible and read in your concordance and start running some references. And my friend, there's a whole lot more in the Bible about what I'm talking about than what you might want to agree. But if you'll get your Bible and you look at it and you begin to pray and you see things from God's point of view, a lot of this appetite will leave you and it'll become repulsive to you and you won't want it anymore. That's the voice of the world that's crying out to the children of the Lord. And then we have the voice of the temple. This represents a religious movement. And I am appalled at, at what comes from the religious community. Now, I did not read the statement, but someone said they read this statement. That recently, some religious leader, and they did not name the religious leader because they didn't know, but they'd read it in the paper, that the religious leader was, what he was doing, he was trying to support the homosexual community. And he said that he believed that if Jesus were alive today, that Jesus would apologize to the homosexual community for God's destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. <clears throat> that obviously, because so many of these people have found the Lord, and so many of them are living Christian lives, that God has obviously changed his mind about this alternative lifestyle stuff. Now, what do you think of that? See, that's yeah, now, the reason why that I have to stand behind this pulpit and be so candid and so frank, even in the midst of a lot of visitors, the whole problem with the world, as the, the way the church world goes, so goes the way of the world. I may, you may even see the day in which I'm thrown in prison for preaching like this. You know what? <laughs> Who said that? Jeff? <laughs> there you go, yes. If you ever stand trial for your convictions, make sure there's enough evidence against you to convict you. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And I know we live in a very democratic society that's highfalutin and such, and we've got all kinds of laws to protect rights and everything. But you're finding out one thing, my friend, that while we are living in this society in which we want to protect rights and grant rights, rights are being lost by Christians. Now, you hold your seatbelt on this one. I remember praying uh, several years ago, and as I began to pray... Uh, the, the, the situation came up in the paper and the media all over about, about taxation of churches and everything. They said, look at all the taxes we're losing. And I thought, they never will tax churches because 
there's too many people in Congress and in the Senate that uh, are church members. I don't know if you know this or not, but all of your big mafia leaders are Catholics. You know, you know that? The Catholic Church is heavily supported by the mafia. <clears throat> if you're a Catholic, you just need to listen to what I'm saying. Okay, I'm not here to try to try to turn you off or anything. I'm just simply saying that it's heavily supported. All right? As I begin to pray and I begin to seek the Lord, I said, well, the Catholic, I say, our churches will never be detached because we are a church as bona fide a church as, as the Catholic or, oh, wait just a minute. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me as sure as I stand behind this pulpit. The Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, yes, you can be too. You wait until the Equal Rights Amendment comes through. And when I say equal rights, I'm not talking about the situation that protects minorities. Because that's usually what we talk. Don't talk about that. I'm talking about people with alternative sexual lifestyles. As sure as I stand behind this pulpit, you give this America another 20 years, and we will be taxed if we will not openly accept homosexuals as members of our congregation. Watch what day. And how are we going to pay taxes on a million dollars worth of property? We'll have to have a whole lot of auctions. But it's his message that's being transmitted. Hello? You hear what I'm saying? And the problem is that pulpits are endorsing it. And it's all right now. I mean, you can be a homosexual and be ordained in some organization. My Bible tells me that that is the one step that a person takes that's just a half of a gnat's breath from being a total reprobate. I'm talking about where God can't even reach you. Read Romans 1. But you see, this is, this is, what's, this is what's coming forth from pulpits today. may not be a pretty message, but listen, I believe as sure as I stand behind this pulpit that God has directed me to give this to you tonight, and you need to listen to it. And you young people that are thinking about your future and, and you're establishing values, make sure that you establish some old-fashioned values. And I use the word old-fashioned because they're not popular today. One lady even said, Pastor, you need to wake up. These are the 90s. Oh, that's the whole thing. I, I know I am awake. But don't you go to sleep in the 90s. Because Jesus is coming back. And you know what I would say? That, that the majority of the people that are here that would even disagree with me, you would, you would agree on this one thing, that, that boy, the devil's going to use everything he can to deceive people. The problem is that deceived people never know they're deceived. Because if they ever get the idea they're deceived, guess what? That's not deception. 
the deceived person never knows that. I mean, never knows that. But did you know we can have pornographic materials endorsed by churches right in living rooms? We need to pray, America. I'm going to tell you something. This is much more serious than what you might perceive it to be. I say it's much more serious than what you might perceive it to be. It is very, very serious. I may go to my grave being very unpopular for some of these things, but I'll tell you one thing. I still stand fast behind it, and I know that I'm 100 and Ten percent correct. And yet I say, and yet I say that television could be such a dynamic instrument for the spreading of the gospel. Could be. And I want to say this again. I do not believe that everything that's broadcast on TV is wrong. And I believe it's wrong to watch the things that are wrong. I believe that. But I am saying this, that up until now, I have not seen people that haven't had problems. That just a little bit of a diet of this is wrong, a little bit of diet of this is wrong, and a little diet of this is wrong, eventually creates an appetite for a whole bunch of garbage. And after a while, people are just watching everything because they have developed an appetite for it. You bring a little child in the world, when he gets old enough to chew and eat, if you feed him worms, Please understand, when he starts talking, he'll probably ask for worms. Because that's all he's ever known. Now, the last voice is the voice of the Lord that renders recompense to his enemies. There is a voice that comes from God. The baby boomer generation, I am told this. I've been told this in some church growth seminars. Don't be talking about hell. Don't talk about judgment. Baby boomers don't like to hear that. I don't like to preach it either. And I never have. Even when I didn't give my heart to God. I didn't like to hear about hell. And I don't like to be sitting out where you are and have some preacher telling me, one of these days you're going to have to give an answer for everything you do on this planet Earth. I don't like that. But guess what? Neither do I like to go to a dentist. Have my teeth clean. You know, there's a whole lot of things I don't like, but I understand it's needful. Not only is it needful, it's necessary. I mean, it's just that way. Jesus Christ is coming back soon. And when he's coming back, my friend, 
the rapture itself is judgment against sin. And the Lord is going to sit on the white throne judgment someday, and he will judge the world of its iniquity. The Bible says he's going to do it. I say, the Bible says he's going to do it. Well, if that's going to be the case, and my friend, it is, don't you think we need to hear the voice of the Lord? My, when Jesus Christ spoke to these churches, Revelation 2, the last verse that he addresses the church at Ephesus in verse 7, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now, Ephesus was a church that became very legalistic. The opposite of, of uh, Laodicea. Laodicea was a very liberalistic church. Now, the legalist is a person that, that loves God's law more than he loves the God of the law. In other words, he may have found the Lord in the power of the Holy Ghost, but later on, he began to love God's law more than he loved the God of the law. And God, help me or you or anybody that would place more emphasis on the law of God than they do the God of the law. In other words, you, 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 you're not interested in prayer. You're not interested in seeking God. You're not interested in any of these things. All you're interested in doing is just holding people to, the, to the, their feet to the fire when it comes to the law of God. And I know when you stand up and make statements like I did about transmitting of light into the homes by the TV media and the devil is not omnipresent so he has to have a way or means to do this and my friend there's no other means on the planet earth that he's used as, success, as successful as this that some people say oh he's a legalist now before you brand as being a legalist make sure that you also are praying and seeking God because I think the only thing that will keep a man out of legalism if he has strong convictions is his walk with God. If he doesn't pray, he doesn't seek God, and he's not interested in the saving of souls, he will become a legalist and can't help it. Ephesus hated sin. Lost their love for God. And that's attractive to some people. They just like to be hard and nasty about things. Oh, I hope that you don't brand me as being nasty about what I'm preaching about. Smyrna. In the ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall be shall not be hurt of the second death. Thyatira, the church that goes into tribulation. God gave her space to repent. She was known as wicked Jezebel. Why? Because she adhered to the doctrine of Balaam. It's a culmination of Pergamus which which endorses this doctrine. This is a Pergamus actually means married. Church that married the world. We're talking about a church now that goes from Legalism into liberalism. Liberalism just simply saying, well, I love Jesus, but it doesn't make any difference what you do. It's, you know, it's what's in your heart. It's not what you do. People tell me that all the time. I hear that all the time. Isn't it what's in our heart that counts? Let me ask you this. Where did you read that in the Bible? 
We say, well, that's in the Bible. Well, yes, but not in the context that you're taking. You're saying only what's in your heart that counts. Huh. That's, not in, that's not even in the Bible. It says God looks on the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance. That's all you can see. That is, that is designed to keep you from passing judgment on your brother of like precious faith. Because you can't see what is inside of his heart. You can't do that. But it's not saying it's only what's in your heart that's important. That's not what it's saying at all. And I challenge you to take a second look at it. That's not what the Scripture's saying. And we've recently done some counseling. And, and you know, I, yeah, it's what's on your heart. It's not, it's not what my daughter wears. It doesn't have anything to do with the length of her skirt. I said, oh, yes, it does. But God looks on the heart. You got it right, but man looks on the legs. You need to perfect holiness in your spirit and in your body. That's what the Bible says. Let's hear what the Spirit says in the churches. Oh, hallelujah. Some of you wish you hadn't come tonight, don't you? Thyatira goes into tribulation. But the warning was given. He that hath an ear, verse 29, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Then Sardis, the Reformation church, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. Remember, therefore, from what which thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. God's trying to strengthen the convictions of the church at Sardis. And I believe that I'm speaking to some people here tonight that, that deep down inside, you wish that the devil didn't have that hold on you. Let me tell you, there's, something, there's certain things you see and certain things you hear that are addicting, and they're not easy to walk away from. I say they're not easy to walk away from. But thanks be to God that is a deliverer. My God is a deliverer. I say, my God is a deliverer. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And then the church of Philadelphia, the brotherly love church. But still God says, He that have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith in the churches. And then Laodicea. Laodicea actually means laity rule. That simply means that in the last days, true to the writings of the Apostle Paul, people shall have teachers that will just tickle their ears. You want somebody that will tell you what you want to hear? You'll probably be lost. You want somebody to just tickle your ears, make you feel good about everything you do? You don't want that. Children don't want that in their home. It is a known fact that children like rules. It's been a long time since I preached like this, you know? Really. But we've got to get down to the nitty-gritty. Why? Because we're, we're on the threshold of the sounding of the trumpet. I believe with all my heart the way things are shaping up in the Middle East that we could wake up in the morning on streets of gold. I believe that with all my heart. 
I believe that Jesus Christ is coming back and He's only waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. Why? Because His house must be filled. I think the bride of Christ, which is the church, should speak the same language of God. Listen to this. Revelation 22. I'd like you to stand if you would. Revelation 22:17. And the Spirit and the bride say, "Come." In other words, what God's desire was was also the desire of the church. We'll never dress like the world, look like the world. Speak the language of the world. We can't. Why? We're a different species, different creature. Can't do that anymore. We may never win the approval of the religious community. But we are the blood-bought church. The blood-bought church. Let the world go its way. I don't particularly listen to what the religious community is saying. You, you just can't. It does not mean that I don't hold a lot of these churches in high regard. I want to give every man credit for everything he's doing for the Lord. And I know that there are many churches with good, solid people in them that love God. I know that. But I do know this, that when you find truth, the ultimate in your relationship with God, you have to focus in on Scripture and not other people who are practicing a walk with God. You've got to focus in on it. You've got to stay in the Bible. 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 I've got to speak the same language that God speaks. You must speak the same language that God speaks. Jesus. You've got to do that. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. He that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Now, you know why I'm asking you to come and give your heart to God tonight? Because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God himself is asking you to do that. I have confidence. When I prayed and sought God and put this message together, I had perfect confidence. And when I stood behind this pulpit and gave you an invitation, that God was also inviting you to come.
Now, we want to give you a chance now to come and give your heart to the Lord. We have our captains, altar captains. You see someone that you feel that needs to pray, why don't you invite that person to come and pray? I have decided Come on right now. Let's find a place to pray. Find someone to pray with, would you?